Beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, I want to wish all our fathers and our grandfathers and our godfathers and our spiritual fathers a blessed and happy day. Fatherhood truly is a magnificent thing. If it's lived out in the life that God has called us to live, as a model we have our Heavenly Father, which we are able to call Father. Imagine that, having a God that allows us to call Him Father and not, you know, we're not calling Him Master and we're a slave. So it's a, a marvelous thing. I want to also thank and welcome our children here that are in the, first sac- in their, in the sacramental prep class preparing to make their first confessions. Uh, they've been working all year, even during the COVID, with little videos and things and little projects they're working on. And this Sunday is special because during the course of the year, they were growing wheat. And you'll see maybe from the camera around the tetrapod, the wheat that they've grown, and it's done marvelous this year. And so yesterday, they harvested their little bit of their wheat, and they learned how to take it and to separate the wheat from the chaff, and then the very hard work of grinding it to make it into flour. And then from that, they prepared prosphora that was used for the liturgical services, for divine liturgy, for the Eucharist. So they had quite a day yesterday, and they're here today to present it to God, to present their gifts and their prayer intentions as they prepare for next Saturday when they make their first confession, and next Sunday they will be back with us again where they will make their profession of faith and sing the creed and be in in front of and behalf of all of us. So truly a wonderful day as we enter phase two of our uh, opening up from the, the, the virus shutdown. These are peculiar times. And so I find our gospel today most comforting about not worrying, not being filled with anxiety. Here Jesus is telling us, get your order right. Get your, get your priorities correct. Get them straight. Seek first God's kingship over you. Seek first holiness. Everything else will be taken care of. It doesn't say be a bum and don't do anything and expect something to show up on your doorstep, but don't be anxious. Don't let that fill you with so much anxiety that you're frozen, you can't do anything. Because then we miss the whole purpose of life, which is to seek His kingship and grow in holiness. I've been reflecting a lot on, on this, this thought of growing in holiness. And I've been going through this experience in these past few months of, of wanting to be filled up with the life of Christ, just wanting it just to, just to absorb me. And I think of a, a hymn that's out there called, My Shepherd Will Provide My Need. My shepherd will provide my needs. He will supply all of that. And then that frees me up without that anxiety to do something else, and that's to work towards holiness. But how do we do that? How do we do that in our environment today? How do we do that even before we entered into the COVID and and everything else that this crazy world seems to be throwing at us? Well, we have to look back at Genesis. We have to look back at the creation of the world to get our priorities straight. And we see the way God created everything. 
the order that he created. And the last creation, of course, is man. He's the summit of creation. But we see in all of this a movement to the seventh day, a movement to the Sabbath. And this rest in God. But what does this rest in God mean? What does this Sabbath mean? And here, Cardinal Ratzinger will say it best, is that to understand, and say it correctly, to understand this, what the seventh day means in creation, we have to look into Exodus. And then we can look back. So we see in Exodus that Moses was sent to lead his people out to this promised land. But that wasn't the only reason. There was another reason another parallel course that was taking place. Because when he went to, Mo, to Pharaoh, he didn't tell Pharaoh, we're going to the land of Canaan. He says, our people need to go to worship our God, a three days journey into the wilderness, and they're offer sacrifice. They're to worship God. It was about worship, not the land. And Pharaoh says, you can worship here, in your own land, in this land. Moses said no, so Pharaoh's heart was hardened. We had four plagues. Pharaoh says, I, I've, I've sinned before your God. Okay, you can go, but just your men. No. Four more plagues. Then we come to another one. Moses says, Okay, we need to go. And Pharaoh will say, fine, you can go and your children, your wives, but your herds and your flocks have to stay here. No, Moses says. We need to take our herds and our flocks with him because when we get to the wilderness, the three-day journey, we don't know what God's going to require of us from our flocks, what kind of sacrifice. And that brought about, because Pharaoh's heart was hardened, the 10th plague. And we know that they left. But they left with a specific purpose and to go to a specific place, and that was Sinai. And it is on Sinai that they were given the law. They were given the order of worship. They were told about the meeting tent and how to prepare the tent and how to worship God. So we begin to see that it is not the space, the land, that's the priority. The land provides the environment for the worship to take place. In creation, the world was created. Man is the apex of all creation. He is the heart and soul of creation. And creation was given to him to worship God. And through Exodus, we find out how that worship of God is to look like. And we see it's not just a one-day thing, and then you go out and do your business. A worship of God is following the law every day of your life. You and I were created for worship. That's where we find our purpose, our meaning, and our fulfillment in life. There is only one thing needful, and that's for man to worship God. Only in that way are we who we are called to be. Only in worship. But not just a divine liturgy.
but in a whole manner of way we live our lives outside these walls. Blessed, a blessed memory, Father Alexander Schmemann would write a, a, a book that, uh, talking about the whole of life is to be liturgy. The whole of life is to be one of offering oneself to God in all our aspects of our daily life. It's to be offering worship, liturgy, when we forgive somebody. We are worshiping. We're celebrating liturgy, the life and the work of our worship of God, when we show forgiveness and kindness and mercy. Not just when we come to church. You see, the whole world is meant to be the place of sanctification for us. In the midst of all its difficulties and all its trials and all its distortions, we are called in that creation, in this creation we find ourselves in, when the Prince of Darkness is having his heyday, we are called to worship in all of those environments. To bring the presence of Christ and the light of Christ to bear in our daily lives. And in doing this, in the doing it of the everydayness of our lives, then we start to grow in that holiness. God's kingship begins to come over us. And we are strengthened to endure the trials and tribulations of the day. Because Jesus says, they're going to happen. Don't worry about tomorrow's troubles, today is enough. He didn't say, I'm going to take your troubles away. But he gave us the order by which we can prioritize our lives to endure and enjoy the day, as difficult as it may be. Because we find our hope, our fulfillment, in worshiping God. Everything else can fall around us. But as long as I'm worshiping God, by following his commandments, by loving my neighbor, by loving my God, by showing mercy, by loving my enemy, doing good to those who harm me, by turning the other cheek, by endures spitting, and all of those things, then we become like the one that we're worshiping. We attain holiness. And if that is our preoccupation, then our anxieties can't take hold. Our fears of the what-ifs, the big what-ifs, have no place to grow root. We were created for worship. We were created to seek first and foremost the kingdom of heaven. And what is heaven but a continual state of worship of God, a state of constant awe and praise of the Creator. From the purity of our hearts, having undergone all the purifications that we go through in this life and probably in the journey of the life after we repose, as we go through the toll booths, as we go through our periods of purgation, to purify our hearts so we can stand in pure worship of God. Because you cannot stand in heaven and have animosity in your heart. It won't work. It's incompatible with the absolute love of God. We are called to seek first the kingdom, His way of holiness. And we do that by worship. By worship liturgically, 
God willing, we can start increasing that now. But in our daily lives, our homes need to be a little church. They need to reflect what we have here. This whole environment of one of raising one's heart and mind to God continually because the world is always trying to drag it down. And we need to keep raising it up. We need to keep turning our gaze to our Creator. So there is no place for anxiety. There is no place of worry. Our shepherd will supply our needs. So that frees us from anxieties and allows us to apply our time, our energy, our mind, and our hearts to attaining that heavenly kingdom, to attaining that holiness, to be a full man in the stature of Christ. But it requires a complete, I'm all in, in the investment of worship. I'm all in in loving. I'm all in in showing mercy. I'm all in in forgiving. That's a tall order for us human beings who are so quick to judge and who are so quick to condemn and is so quick to want to cause harm and inflict punishment and pain on those who aren't following our way of thinking, even though it's off. But does that way of thinking reflect Christ? Does that allow you, are you growing in holiness? Because to grow in holiness, one should find themselves slowly becoming more and more peaceful. That doesn't mean we just don't lay down and die, but you're not agitated. You're not filled, overly filled with, with worry and anxiety. You're not seized where you can't function anymore, where you have a sense of hopelessness. There is hope. There's a great amount of hope, because our hope is in Christ. He did tell us, in the world you have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Take courage, be strong. How many times does he say, do not be afraid? How many times has St. John Paul II said that? So we are called to do the same. We're called to nothing less. We're called to worship. We're called to put our, order, our life in a proper order. Where first, we are worshiping. And from that posture of worship, from that posture of adoration, then we make our decisions about life. Then we put our life in a proper order and live it to the best of our ability. But we have to have a proper order. It has to stem from the order that He created us. The whole cosmos was created for you and I to worship God. And in a way that God designed, He gave us the way of worship, the liturgical worship, through the law that He had given to Moses and that Jesus fulfilled. And the apostles showed us a new a way that built upon what they had done. The liturgical worship, the sacramental life. But by golly, that won't do anything if you're not praying at home. If your home isn't reflecting the life, the sacramental life of the church, you're, we're just butting heads. 
If your life in the car is not reflecting your life when you're in the church, we're not going to get anywhere. Growth's not going to happen. We can't be two people. We can't live in a duplicity of life. We have to be one or the other. You can't serve God and man. So let us be what we are called to be, what we were created to be. Men and women who worship and praise our God. Who spend our waking days in worship and praise in everything we do. In every action we make, in every word we speak. And in that way, we attain the kingship of God over us and His way of holiness.